Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the second sermon in our church's Rock Solid Life series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. Good morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We know if we've lived a moment or two in life that life can be a challenge, right? I don't have to question you on that. But to endure life's challenge, we need a rock-solid life of faith. And so this month of May in a four-part series, we're looking at how to sort of weather that storm and the challenges of life by relying on our faith. Last week we looked at having a spiritual home, a rock solid life through having a spiritual home. Today we'll look through doing good and enduring trials next week and then receiving God's gift of his spirit. We've got a key verse that's guiding us through this series. It comes from 1 Peter 2 verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And so God wants for you to have a rock-solid faith, to be built up to everything he created you to be. Today we're looking at rock-solid life to do good, to do good. Well, happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother, I honor you. And there are many roles to mothering or that a mother can serve, and sometimes they're served by those that aren't the biological mom. And so to those that have served a role in mothering anyone, I honor you. Great mothers begin with love. It begins with the heart or the the words that say, I love you, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on and builds. It's in the physical demands of childbirth. It's in the emotional demands of caring for a baby that just won't stop crying. It's in the intellectual demands of raising us when we were teenagers and literally knew everything. I have a mom, and for her I am very grateful. Even to this day as I am still in my 40s, or I'm in my late 40s, (laughs) she still cares. Literally this week she texted at 10 o'clock Friday night saying, Hey, just checking on and seeing if y'all got the air condition fixed at your church so y'all could have church on Sunday. And we did. We got some of it working. I don't know if it's perfect yet, but some of it's working on Friday evening through a, a long, hot week for those that were here at any point from Sunday on. It's good to have a mom. It's good to be a mom. And so I say, say thank you, thank you, thank you to moms. You know, towards the end of the service, if you haven't already, I'll invite you to get a carnation if you're a mom or if you feel beautiful. Or, and then there's some other things that you can do with those for everybody that here. We'll explain those at the end. But if we compare the love of God to the love of mothers, there's quite some similarities. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Luke 13. How often have I wanted to gather your children together? 
as a hen protects her chicks beneath their wings, but you wouldn't let me. Like a mother hen trying to protect the baby chicks. God's love tries to protect us and do good for us. And some of you may have heard the saying from Francis of Assisi. Have y'all heard of him before? Some people attribute this to him. I'm not sure it is. It says, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And that's a good saying because it gives us uh, motivation to follow a command, to put our love into action, right? To not just use words, but to begin with action. But we can also be tempted to only use words because sometimes we'll, excuse me, we can only use good actions because when we use words, it puts a target on us for persecution or somebody was like, ah, you're just one of those Jesus freaks. Anybody ever been called that or remember those? Yeah. And so we're tempted to just do good and say, well, we'll let the people figure it out who it's from. And we miss the opportunity to connect people to the gospel of Jesus. For sure, Jesus' followers are to do good. But is that enough? Or how are we to do good and what's its ultimate purpose? So let's look now at what the Bible says about that. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. It's in the Bible's New Testament. You'll recall that this book or letter was written by the Apostle Peter to churches that were facing persecution. And in chapter 3, he begins giving them some instructions on how to live in that culture, a counterculture, by following Jesus. First in their homes, amongst wives and husbands, and then amongst fellow Christians. And then what we're going to look at today is how to live in a culture that doesn't necessarily appreciate your faith. We're going to begin reading in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13 and go through Verse 22, I'll read the New Living Translation. The words will be on the screen. The words will also be if you opened our worship guide online. Those same scripture readings are there. Hear now this from 1 Peter 3. Verse 13, now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing good or doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants, then to suffer for doing wrong. Verse 18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in God's spirit. Verse 19, so he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building the boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Now, 
Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, Peter says, people aren't going to bother you, most likely, if you're doing good. But even if they do harass you or persecute you when you do good, know that you're still pleasing God and God has a reward for you. And then Peter begins to lay out the steps and how to do good and what is good. And then he points to the ultimate source of goodness. In verse 18 he reads, or it reads, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to Christ. And this, Peter declares the so what or the means to the end in the life of Jesus. Jesus suffered and died so that you might be connected to God. The so what of Jesus, who was the Son of God, who left heaven, perfect space, the perfect existence, and came to earth as a human being and lived a perfect life, died a guiltless death, and in doing that, his sole purpose was to connect you to God when you repent and believe and follow Jesus. Romans 2, 4 says it this way, can't you see that his kindness or God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? In other words, all that God's doing in the age of Christ and in this age of the church is to bring you and you and you and everyone Repentance and believing and reconnection with God. Let's look now at how faith in Jesus helps us to have a rock-solid life of faith to do good and what's that purpose in our lives. If you've got your worship bulletin or your online worship guide, you can follow along with these points, take notes, fill in the blank, and reference it. I think on the the online guide you can save it and, and use it later if you've downloaded the app version. Number one, do good, point to Christ. Do good, point to Christ. Verse 15 reads, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Peter says, don't be afraid of persecution for doing what's good, for following Christ, for pointing to Christ. But then he says, here's how you can not worry about that or having fear about it kind of a two-fold plan. First, always, always proclaim Jesus as the source of the good. For you to do the good God created you to do, it starts with worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly. The term for worship here can also be translated as sanctify. In the original letter Peter wrote, he wrote in the Greek language, and he used the word hagazo. And it means to feel reverence for or to honor as holy. That is sometimes translated in older translations of the Bible as hallowed. Y'all remember this in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. In other words, to worship God or to put him as honor and holy. We do that starting with our lives. We do that with our words. Jesus said this whenever they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
Peter says that's the source of doing good, is to love God and to point to Jesus. We see that in what Peter is asking us to do. But he says it doesn't stop there. It extends into our actions and words to others. Right? We've got to be able to explain the hope we have when we put our faith in Jesus to others. That's the second greatest commandment, right? Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The greatest love you can give your neighbor is to witness and share the gospel of Jesus with them. To be ready to live a life where they will inquire about your faith and then be ready to explain your faith to them. The good news of the gospel. Well, what is that good news? Do you know it? It starts out as bad news. It starts out with the truth that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and that the consequences of sin is death and separation from God in this life and for eternity in hell, except that Jesus in God's love was a sacrifice for that consequence. And for those who believe in his perfect life and his guiltless death, and his resurrection, repenting from their sin and believing in him, they are saved. That is the gospel of Jesus, the good news. And so Peter is saying, when you live a life, live it in a way that people will inquire about your faith. And when they do, be ready to share that with them. That's the gospel. Do you know the good news of Jesus? Have you experienced it in your life? You live a life in a way that it shows to others. And can you tell them about it if they ask? Some of you are like, well, I don't want to live too good because I don't want to get asked about Jesus. (laughs) Anybody want to admit to that? Live your life in such a way It points to Jesus. Live your life in such a way that when people ask and you're prepared, you can tell them about Jesus. Point to Jesus, the source of all good. Number two, do good, use kindness. Do good, use kindness. Verse 16 says, but do this with a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. It takes doing good for people to ask about Jesus. If you're mean and ornery all the time, ain't many people going to assume you follow Jesus. Or maybe they are because some of us have lived that way for too long. If we live and do good, People are going to ask. And then Peter says, tell them about Jesus. But then he gives a warning. He says, be gentle. It's almost like Peter had some godly wisdom in him whenever he he said this. Because sometimes we get into telling people about Jesus. And it feels like we've got to win the argument. Anybody ever had one of those moments in your relationship where the littlest thing became the biggest thing and you were just about winning the argument? Instead of having the relationship. Anybody ever done that with mom? Are y'all a lot? Come on now. If your mothers were here, 
<laughs> Anybody ever get that in church? Have you heard the saying, you may have won the battle, but you lose the war? You heard that saying? It's what Peter's talking about. He says, your goal is to get them to Christ and to God and for eternity, not to win the battle. And so whenever you're telling people about Jesus, you're not setting up the argument so you can knock them down, right? And say, but I don't believe in God because of this. And you're like, boom, right? Here's the scripture. Here's the, you know, keep a gentle and respectful way. You tell people about Jesus and even shut down and win every argument they can come up with, but in the end they miss the mercy and grace and love of Christ, you have not, you have not done anything towards winning the war. We can do this even in the good that we do to other people. If we're like, I'm going to show you some goodness, and it turns out we treat them with shame and disrespect, we're not doing it with gentleness and respect. I remember I did this at some times, and I went to seminary, and they started teaching me. It says, you know what you need to learn? <laughs> Hot shot young. Well, I wasn't that young. It says, you need to figure out how to do ministry with people instead of to people. You need to do ministry with people instead of to people. This is especially in how we show kindness to others. What do I mean? So many times when we want to do ministry to people, like we've got something, we want to make sure they get it. If somebody's poor, underserved, or hungry, we say, we're going to set up a food line, we're going to stand behind it, and we're going to feed them. Make them go down the line and go sit over there after they're done. That's doing ministry to people. But if we were to do ministry with people, maybe we would prepare the meal together. Maybe we would all stand up and, and fix our plates and then we would all go sit down together. And then that moments or those moments together, we would get to know them and extend to them both the honor and the worth of being created in the image of God that doing ministry to people destroys. We also have to do good or use kindness in our words we can be absolutely right but if we do more hurting than helping we haven't done it if we're not gentle if we're not respectful what are we doing i don't know if you've ever heard of a, a preacher or a, another christian that kind of beats people up with the bible anybody ever been thumped over the head with the bible <laughs> right i remember when i was in college we had a concourse that, you know, in between classes, there was this, like, big, wide sidewalk that you connected. And on that concourse, three or five times a week, there'd be somebody out there screaming at people walking by, you're going to hell. Anybody ever experienced that? You did. You did, right? And I might have been. It was probably true in some of those cases. But they didn't know. They didn't have a prophetic word from God. They just had a loud voice, an angry voice that said, thump. It might have done something to tell people there was a hell, and they were getting pretty close right there. I don't know if one person ever got saved in those encounters. We need the truth. We need the love in our good 
and in our words. We need to do it in a gentle and respectful and kind way so that people can see Jesus. Be willing to invest in folks. Invite folks into a a conversation at work like you want to go to lunch and do it all week and do it the next week and then when the conversation's ready introduce them the love and truth of Jesus Jesus modeled kindness in his ministry on earth if you look at the stories of healing those were exactly what he was doing If you look at the stories of feeding the 5,000, that was exactly what he was doing. He wasn't just doing good. He wasn't just introducing them to the kingdom of God. He was doing both. Here's the goodness of God. Now come, follow me. Lead with kindness and then be prepared to give them Jesus. Do good using kindness. Number three, do good. And repeat it. Do good and repeat it. First Peter three seventeen says, Remember it is better to suffer for doing good. That is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. This verse probably lands on mothers the most, right? Repeat it. Suffer for doing good. <laughs> right? If you're to model the love of Jesus to this world, doing good will not be easy. Speaking your testimony in the gospel of Jesus may not be easy. And in fact, I can say it will most likely take some diligence. Like, Mom, how many times have I told you? (laughs) Right? 20, 30, well, I'm reading a book by... Pastor Shane Bishop, and it's called That's Good News. And in the book, he observed it takes about 20 invitations to church for somebody to come to church. Or 20 different people you invite once, or, you know, that kind of thing. So it takes some diligence. You might get lucky and invite one person, and they come to church with you. But the averages say it's not going to be that way. But I believe Jesus meant it when he promised to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Amen? Jesus loved the church and he ain't done with the church. That could be our saying today. He ain't done with the church. I'm not a, I don't have insight in the foreknowledge of God. But I can almost guarantee if everybody that calls this their church home would go home and write out a list of 20 people who are not in church, began to pray for those people, began to ask God to show them how to show them kindness, how to introduce them to Jesus, how to invite them to church, and did that, that there would be dozens, no hundreds of people that would come this church and know Christ and be saved and transform their life from one destined to hell to one who has the promise of heaven. Jesus ain't done with this church yet. That consistent, regular presence of the gospel in the community is what's behind what we're calling Project 12. 
Lee's First Methodist Church, is undergoing or taking on Project 12 this year. That's a every month of the year, go outside our walls into our community to share and illustrate God's love, to point people to Jesus and to his church. It's not doing good unless we're also pointing them to Jesus. And so with each illustration of kindness, we say or share that God loves you. That this kindness is from Jesus, and it's with the intent to show them God's love and point them to the good of the gospel. Today, you see on the screen, you get to be a part of that. Project 12, Carnation Kindness Giveaway. If I had one more word, I'd added it to the title. Carnation Kindness Giveaway. That almost rolls off my tongue. Carnation Kindness Giveaway. Obviously, there's a ulterior motive. We want to bless moms. We want to bless those that feel beautiful, those that don't, those that wanted to be a mom and couldn't, or whatever. If you want a carnation, take one for yourself today. We're going to invite you as you come for communion in just a few moments to pick one of those up. And for you and for everyone else, we invite you to take one, two, or three carnations to take to someone to illustrate God's love today. To your server if you go out to lunch. To your sister that you meet over at mama's house today. Or to your mom. However you might use it, use one, two, or three. We've got plenty. To take and to illustrate God's love. Each one of those have a card on it that says God loves you. Points them to at least this church. You're like, I don't want to do that. That's okay. Take one anyway. You're like, I don't want to do it for Jesus. That's okay. You can rip the card off. I won't know. But I hope that you'll do something today that points people to the kindness of Jesus and the name of Jesus. God's love. Let them know that they're loved, that this church loves them, and that you love them. God loves you. I invite you to go, to love, and then repeat it. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing of your kindness and the illustration of that. In the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that you're here today working in that, showing us we're at a point all goodness comes from you. That as we share your truth and love with others, to remember to lead with kindness, to do the middle part with kindness, and do the end part with kindness, gentleness and respect, so that we might not lose the war but win the battle. And God, help us to have the, the courage, the strength, and the wisdom to do it with diligence, to repeat it will take time as good moms model for us to continue to love even when those around us may persecute pray all this in the powerful and holy and resurrected name of Jesus Amen Thanks for listening to our podcast we would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. 
If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.